And I'm right in thinking you two are the youngest club owners in rugby league. Oh, I, d- I didn't know that one. Well, probably you are. I would like to think. Uh, yeah, well, I'm yeah. happy with let's that. Just, let's, just, let's just say it can cause a big debate anyway. Keith and Dave talk all things rugby league on the Dockhouse Rugby Show with news, match reviews and special guests from the world of rugby league. Also available in audio format as the Dockhouse Rugby Pod. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dockhouse Rugby Show. Dave and myself are joined by two of the youngest club owners in rugby league. They enjoy their time over in Keithley, but they're going to tell us all about their story today. So let's welcome to the show Ryan O'Neill and Cowie Garcia. Welcome Ryan and guys. Cowie, welcome Thank to the Dockhouse Rugby on. Show. Thanks for having us on. Very nice to be here. No, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. So, whenever we get people on and guests on, one of the first things that we always ask is, what was your first memory of, of rugby league? You know, what, what got you into the sport, or what is your first ever memory of, of the sport? Well, I mean, my, my memory of the sport goes back to the 1990s. So, uh, my dad was a chairman of Keith Cougars back in, uh, in the formation of the Super League era. So, he created Cougar Mania along with is co-director Mike Smith, who also now sits on our board for the current club. Um, so I was a, I was about 13 years old. My dad took, took the chairmanship of the club in 1991. Um, and then to be to begin with, I wasn't that interested. I was stuck I was stuck over in, in boarding school, so I, I didn't really have any exposure to it. And it was all rugby union, and I absolutely hated playing rugby union. But then in the school holidays, obviously my dad was all involved in in the in Keatsley Rugby League at the time. It, it had, didn't have the Cougars monarchy then. Um, so then I got more interested, and then it sort of started, you know, our whole family started to get totally involved in it. And um, and then I, I left boarding school and came back home and um, at 14. And then it, it basically took over our life. Cougar Mania then was created and it was a really exciting time. And, you know, my, my dad did it 24-7. My mum was like an absolute total Cougar rugby league obsessive. And um, and I became so. So it was a really thrilling time uh, from 93 when we won the third division championship. That probably, when you say about a memory, that's my the strongest memory was we, we uh, got promoted from the third division against um in a game against Batley at, at Cougar Park on Good Friday. And it was like, the pitch was like a mud bath. And uh, it was an amazing game. And we won it and we and we got, we got the championship. Um, and I, that's that's one of those things that I'll never forget. And then after that, we got to, um, we got promoted. But, oh, we got promoted, but then they got rid of the third division. So actually there's no point in getting promoted. But yeah, it was, there's a lot of history repeating itself. Um, and then um, they went full, full bore to... Um, to get promoted again uh, to the to, I think it was a premiership they called it then and yeah. uh, and uh, we got promoted and then the Super League came and then it all fell apart so then my dad retired moved uh, over to Australia because he basically was fed up after leaving the club yeah. and um, I went to university and then moved to London and lost contact with the sport for a long time until um, 2019 when we came back so so that's my that's where my interest in the sport came from, but Cowie is a bit different. So I say, Cowie, Cowie, you're from the the sunny heights of Brazil. So how how do you get from being in Brazil to to being you know a rugby league club owner? Yeah, uh, didn't didn't play. Obviously, you know, if you ask Cowie, uh, uh, when I left Brazil, I was twenty three, twenty four years old. Didn't didn't you know envision that I would be here today? You know, doing things that we are doing together. I didn't even hear about uh, rugby actually. You know, the, obviously I've been married to Ryan for ten years, and uh, and then throughout this past ten years, obviously I heard the stories of uh, of how successful the club was. Never actually came to the ground during during this day d- during the ten years that we've been together until we got the club, and then. The first match that 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 then we we held there, it, it was quite funny because I saw these big blokes, you know, in, in Brazil it's, it's football all all through and through. So so we normally kick the ball, and then I saw these big blokes holding the ball and and walking with the ball. I thought, no, there's something wrong here. So I actually I thought it it was funny because I thought, no, they they don't get it really because it starts <laughs> with a kick. So for me, I, I thought, oh, there you go, funny shaped ball. But but you know very very easy to understand. I I love I love the sport. 
the, the funny thing is, so we, we taught, I, I persuaded Kelly that we wanted to, to take over the club and he was all supportive. Well, see, he knew about the excitement of Cougar Mania, but I never actually thought about explaining to him what the sport was. So it was it was only when we actually came to the ground and he saw the ball, he said, what a weird shaped ball. Yeah. And by that point, he was a club owner. <laughs> I'd never thought to, I just assumed he would know what rugby league would be, was or even rugby. I mean, he didn't even know about rugby union. So he came along to the first game and was like, what the hell is this game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you bought the you bought the concept of Cougar Mania first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing was because the the the, the game itself is so exciting and so easy for anyone to understand that within two games, I I I probably knew more of the rules than Ryan actually that had to come back to to his mind. And you know, I understood the logics of it, you know, and how, how things were being done that I absolutely love and, you know, I became a converted after, you know, one or two games. Amazing. Fresh Amazing. eyes on the sport, so brand new sport. So you thought you were buying a football club up north and uh, well, you end up with a yeah, rugby club. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought maybe here in England it's called different, you know, there is soccer, there is football, but, but there you go. I just thought, well, maybe a different variation. I just promised him it'd be a fun ride. So he used to say, oh, that sounds that sounds like a laugh. Let's go for it. So sounds like fun. Yeah, and um, oh my God, it's been fun. <laughs> so where, where did you guys meet? Was it in London then? Where, we, where you met? We met in, no, we met in Bangkok. So I've got my, my uh, business is, has an office in China and we do I do a lot of business in China. So I always used to go do business in China, which I absolutely hate. And then I'd go to Bangkok for a nice uh, chill out weekend and then, you know, around the pool and all the rest of it. And um went to a, a nightclub with my friend and... um and there was a, this odd Brazilian who we started talking to, and then um, we just kept in contact. And then we had a we we, we sort of dated for for a while, yeah. sort of long distance, and then um, and then eventually we, we were like, right, Kelly, you, if you if you're going to come here, you've got to you've got to marry me because you've got to, you've got to get a passport. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to have to go to bloody Brazil, which I don't really want to do. So um, so yeah, so he moved here, and then we we got married pretty quickly. So we could we, he could um, get his immigration right, and then um, t- to be honest, I, I I never thought I'd be, be the marrying kind, um, but I'm glad I did. Let's put it that way. No, so you've just had your tenth anniversary, have you then? <laughs> He, put, he pulled it back then, Cowie, didn't he? I wonder yeah. where he was going yeah. with this. I was wondering, you know, when the nice part would come. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just a passport, was well, it? Well trained, you see. <laughs> I think he realised halfway through the story, I need to pull this back a little. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so England won. So you've been married 10 years. Is that? Yeah. Have you right, recently yeah. had your 10th anniversary? Uh, we did, actually, yeah. Back, uh, back in, well, last month, last month, February. I even posted some nice photos with nice caption there, you know, nice. 10 years. Yeah. We we loved each other. We hated each other a few times, but, yeah. you know, that, well, that's, that's, a, that's a marriage, isn't it? There, 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 was, there was a lot to begin with. Of, I didn't realise the, the cultural difference we'd have. Um, yeah. So when when we, when Kelly moved to England and we moved in together, it was, for both of us, it was a real... It was a clash. It was, we, yeah, we had, yeah, it, it was... A, it took a lot of patience and understanding because Kelly had from both sides. From both sides, absolutely. I'm I'm the more sort of, um, you know, I'm British. I'm pretty sort of reserved, cold. and he calls me cold. <laughs> and he he's more like fiery and says it how it is and more passionate. And to begin with, it was it was difficult, and then I think we both sort of found that level. And uh, yeah. he, he made me a bit more fiery, and I made him a bit more cold. cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's a good marriage then. That's a I mean, good yeah. marriage. Yeah, meets in the middle. The Brazilians are renowned for being fiery anyway, but then you also tell me, Cowie, that you lived in Ireland as well. Wow. So you, you've got the Irish connection. So you must be, like, on fire. <laughs> Off the chart. Well, it, it was just because I think I left Brazil because I was kind of fed up where I was, kind of have a middle-life crisis, really. You know, you could say at 23 years old. But I just didn't know where I was going in terms of what job I wanted. So I actually left Brazil with the, the intention of uh, becoming a flight attendant because I, I loved the traveling and I thought, okay, the experience here that I need really to seek my, 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 my CV and to get a job would be, you know, uh, living abroad because I think, uh, you know, if you don't necessarily have the experience and I was applying for, for Middle Eastern really airlines because I wanted to fly with Emirates or, or Qatar ways, you know, so I think they would require the experience. So I actually just called a travel agency and I said, where is the cheapest for me to go? You know, I 
until that point, I haven't even heard about Ireland, really, you know, because for Brazilians, normally you go to, to America or England or Australia. So, so they said, look, you want somewhere nice and cheap, go to Ireland. So there I, I landed and literally knew no one. And I read New English, obviously, I had studied before. So it was just... Uh, adjusting to to life you know i i left brazil with 30 degrees super hot <laughs> summer and then i landed in ireland it was uh two degrees there was a shock i literally i thought what am i doing here you know i, I didn't even search obviously like i didn't consider that the, the 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 weather would be swapped really you know north hemisphere it's totally the opposite so i thought oh didn't check that but but kind of just led me to to where I am today. I started traveling then, you know, lived uh, basically a year in Ireland, then moved to Thailand because I wanted to do some some countries in Asia, just kind of touring them. And then, but I had my base, you know, base was Bangkok in Thailand and literally in in a weekend, that's where we met. Wow. Fantastic. What are the odds of that? A Brazilian in Thailand meeting an English, <laughs> kind of passing through just... In, you know, to go back to England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's almost, a, almost a sliding doors moment because it could never have. Maybe, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And you, and you say there's cultural differences. So what, what, what are they? Can you elaborate on those for us? Uh, I think more from my side actually, because you know, I, I came here obviously. I kind of had to adapt more so to 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 your culture to to ryan's ways uh, uh somehow but it was just that uh, very i think brazilians it, it's a generalization that sometimes is wrong to say but we're quite uh, not possessive but but you know i would uh, i would want to to know where where he was if he wasn't with me and just this kind of uh, of behavior that we have, it's very common in Brazil. You know, ask any Brazilian, and then we keep tabs on where our husbands or wives go at any given time. I, I, I think I think my wife's Brazilian. I didn't know it. <laughs> I think she is. There you go. Check check the the DNA. You know, maybe there is some Brazilian heritage there. Maybe it must be. I, I but I'm I'm much more sort of relaxed because I was I was basically a boarder from the age of seven. I was, I'm very independent, and um, <clears throat> you know, I learned to take care of myself and you know I, I kind of want to do what I want to do and then someone coming into my life who was like you can do what you want to do but I'm literally on your shoulder <laughs> I, I was a bit like oh yeah. this is and I was I mean I was 30 33 at the time yeah and um I, I was quite established so when Kerry came in and he was like why are you going out so much what's going on here why are you spending so much money why are you doing this and I was like hang on hang on hang on I mean like yeah. you yeah I'm 33 I've got my established life here but I, I, I didn't understand that that sort of that cultural element in Brazil which is you know that's how how Kelly is would um sort of affect my my day-to-day -day. so it, it took a while to adjust but then I actually grew to grew to, grew to love that because we literally spend 24 7 we're never out of each other's company we work together so we live together uh we do everything together we're never we're, we're never apart and um and when, once sort of that happened you realize that actually his his care and attention and you know affection for me is an amazing thing and it, but it took a while to sort of understand that and, mm. and and embrace it and as we said before Kelly also chilled out a bit and wasn't quite oh, 100%. and one of the things that then Ryan you know that I adapted you know he said if you trust me you know if I go out uh, perhaps not with you with friends in an occasion or something but you have to trust me fundamentally you know if you if I go out out of the door and you don't trust me there is no relationship really because you know if if I love you I'm going to respect you and and that's kind of the fear that I had that I think Brazilians have you know like if you go out with friends that perhaps I couldn't go out I, I had fear of something happening. So yeah. it was just me then leveling down yeah. a bit the, the passionate in me, the 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 possessiveness. But but it was literally I had to tune it down and, and Brian probably had to increase increase a bit of his, you know, possessiveness in a way. But it sounds like you're both from well, you are, you're both from different backgrounds. And I think that's quite normal in any relationship or marriage that people do come from different backgrounds even if uh, they live just down the road you know your families have uh, 
different experiences and there is a period of adjustment that always is um, and it can feel quite unusual but you do you you make it work you adjust you make it work and you settle into that norm it becomes a new norm um, yeah absolutely that that's kind of how um how probably i think took, it happens probably, probably took us a year to get to that norm yeah we got there yeah, in the yeah. A, a, a power yeah. struggle <laughs> and if if that isn't proof of love do you tell me what it is then <laughs> There's, um, yeah, that's it. There's you, that... You're passionate and you're and you're loyal, Cowie. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. There's um uh, there's a structure, isn't there, to to groups, new groups that come together. I think is it storming, norming, forming, or something. Have you ever heard oh. of that? No, I can't no. say. No, it's really good actually. If you look it up, I can't remember exactly the how it goes. But when when new groups come together or people, there's a there's a initial period where you want to be accepted, so you you work hard to be really nice. And then yeah. after a while, you want to find your place in that sort of relationship or that group. So you, you're jockeying for position subconsciously a lot of the time. You don't know it. So there's a period of storms. It's storming then. Yeah. And and once you've worked through that, it's norming because you've all found your little place and yeah. it works and then it becomes normal. And, and I hope I've got that route right. I'm sure someone will correct me no, if it, I've got it wrong. It, it, we can look it up, but it's something along yeah. those lines anyway. Psychologist Bruce Tuckman first identified four stages of team formation in the mid-60s. These are forming, storming, norming, and performing. So, um, back onto the, onto the rugby then. So your dad, heavily involved in Cougar Mania. And Keatley has come through the mill a bit, like you, like you alluded to earlier, that you know they, they'd won the championship but there was no third division and then they, they get through again uh, and, and they, they come up to the championship again but then Super League is, is formed but they don't quite make the cup because of the grading situation at the time and and that and it seems that that's coming round again and you know we are going to talk about the, the IMG situation in, in a bit but obviously coming into the club you know when, when you decided to take over you guys what was what was your ethos coming in and wh wh what was the current lay of the ground? What was the situation and what did you want to bring in with you? Um, it's a bit of a journey, that, really. Um, so when we took the club on, we took it on because we wanted to save it because it was it was, it was was literally days from closing. The, the, the lease would then be taken back by the freeholder. That would be the end of a professional rugby league in Keithley. And, you know, we, we had a settled life in London with... I, I told him stories about Cougar Mania, but it was not not something that I'd, I never thought about coming back to Keithley watching a game with him. He just it, I, I, I departed from that um, after after the Super League uh, drama in in ninety five ninety six. Um, but then I, I, saw, I always kept tabs on it on social media, like oh how's Keithley doing? And, and then I, I was just seeing that things were going wrong, and I thought this this is sad because even though the club had it, it, it'd been through a turbulent period since basically my dad left in 96 it'd been up and down it had done well in the early noughties and it had gone down again and then it went down and down and down um so when i saw that it was in crisis i, I spoke to my dad about it frequently i was like dad this doesn't sound good and he'd call his his friends in keith and say oh, what's happening and they say oh no it's all right it's all fine and i thought this doesn't seem right somehow and i started to get feel like things weren't going well in about august uh, 2018 and i really then started to pay attention and then when um, the feedback then started to come that the club is going to close. I then had that conversation with Cowie. I was like, look, you know, it, this would be such a tragedy for the town because the town is, you know, it's on its knees like a lot of northern northern towns um, with industry closing and all the rest of it. And I said that, you know, first of all, my dad's legacy will be gone because it, his legacy was Cougar Mania and Keithley Cougars, despite not doing as well since, was still there and, and doing its thing. Um, so when it got to the point where, yeah, it was going to close its doors, I said to Kerry, look, let's do it. It's not going to cost us a huge amount of money. Let's save it. We'll come come up to the odd games and we'll, we'll, we'll have a nice time. It's a bit of a laugh and, you know, we'll come to see our family in Keithley occasionally. Um, so that's how it's, that's what we decided to do, save it, right? And then we we did the deal, a bit of negotiation with the RFL to um, to get the license signed to us and to buy the, buy the business uh, from the previous owner. Uh, which was was quite a difficult negotiation. Was he obviously wanted a lot of money that he wasn't entitled to, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, the only way to get the club was to actually pay him out. So we did, um, and then we, we we were told you get the keys on. Say it was the twenty first of January, twenty nineteen. 
though on the 20th of January, we announced we we got we had all the fans brought together, not the club because we weren't allowed in the club at that point. Um, so we had a meeting at the cricket club, and you know we all came, and my dad came, and Mike Smith is he, my dad's colleague in Kugamania days joined the board, and um, and we had this great thing saying we've saved the club. All the fans are over the moon. Everyone was there. It was like a party atmosphere. There were loads of people crying, and it was like wow, what an amazing experience this is. And then we thought right tomorrow we'll go and see the club. We'll check everything is all right. We'll go back to London. We'll crack on with our normal lives mm-hmm. and just keep tabs on what's going up in Keithley. But it'll be, you know, it's not, not really something that's going to be a big thing for us to deal with. And um, so the next day we went down to the club uh, with the keys. We got given the keys and um, the place was basically derelict. The bars had been ripped apart. Um, one bar was basically a, um, a skip. It was where all the junk was thrown in. There were bits of wood and God knows what. And I was like, oh, Jesus, bit of work here. And then yeah. um, we're like, how many players are there? And they're like, oh, I think we've got about 12. And the season starts next week. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we need to get some players. And then um, and th- th- this was a pivotal moment for me when I realised this wasn't saving a club. It was taking on a club and taking on an absolute monster in some ways. It was when the, the, the football manager came up to me and he puts in my hand a, 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 an invoice for the kit. And I was like, he's like, oh, you need to pay this. We need the kit because we're starting next week. I'm like, all right. I looked at it, thought it'll be a few hundred quid. 25 grand. And I was like, what? I won't swear, but I was like, what? Yeah. You can swear if you want. It's <laughs> fine. So, um, so that was a bit of a shocker. And then, so we were staying at the travel lodge in Keatsley because we didn't have anywhere up here. My parents obviously had moved back to Australia. So the whole family was staying in the travel lodge and we were planning to go back like two or three days later. And um, it suddenly became apparent that no, we'd saved it, but it was it was basically the deathbed. So we either saved it and allowed it to just sort of fade away or we made an effort and decided we'll make an effort. And then the more we made an effort, the more that passion pulled us in. And um, and it just became, it just took over us entirely. And it went from saving it to then saying, we've got to do well this season. We've got to get in the playoffs. And it was like, no, next season, we've got to get promoted. Next season, we've got to get Super League. We've got to get these players. We've got to get these bars right. We've got to build a new stand, you know. And then it's then we, we you know, our platform was, because we're a gay couple, was like, look, let's, let's make the LGBTQ plus community welcome because this is a you know keegan hurst had come out i think in the same year we took over so there was a bit of a buzz around that and we thought yeah we could that's that's great for our community you know mining cowies and we thought but our little club can actually do something here so we, we thought it's keegan was coming from a playing angle we were coming from a club angle so we thought this this could work so that really then really sort of put the rocket suppers and we were like right let's Let's really get cracking. And just as it went on, it just, it's, I'm sure every other club owner will say the same that it, it just basically, your brain shuts off and your heart takes over. That's a great saying. Your brain shuts off and your heart takes over. <laughs> yeah. So you don't I make decisions that. always with your head. You often make them no, with your heart. No, no, Never. No. Not, not, in, not in this game, you don't. And Absolutely. I think, especially, you know, I think when we came, Ryan says there that, you know, a, a trip to Travel Lodge that was meant to be for a week or so ended up being first i think three four months we actually just kept extending our stay there mm-hmm. and then finally realized look it's, it's cheaper if we just you know uh, rent initially and then we got our own place up north but but at the back of our minds we always felt that uh, even actually before keegan really that we wanted to put our our footprint there because i think when when you are in this place that you have a platform you know that you have an audience uh, and if you can make something positive out of it you know it, it it's quite cliche really to say if you leave the world in a better place than when you got then mission done but but because i remember ryan saying to me when we came from from london that they you know we got the train and he's he, he warned me he said honey we're not in london anymore Kansas anymore so kind of uh, we, we're not going to hold hands you know it's not the same as London so so that that took me kind of a, as, as a shock because I thought oh I mean obviously we have homophobia in Brazil it's 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 a problem but but the image that 
for me, being a foreigner coming to Europe, I thought, I thought oh no, you know, all over Europe is accepted. You know, you guys have yeah. been C- cities are quite cosmopolitan, aren't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think from anyone that you're not really in here, obviously, you guys are way more progressive than than, than what we have in, in Latin America, for example. But but to know that there was a, a differentiation between the the South, perhaps, or not just the Perhaps London, it would be more accurate. And then coming to, to the north, and it's a bit less laid back. So so it was always in our minds, okay, how do we show this here? And like I said, we had the platform, and, and then coming with Pride Month, we thought, okay, it was a discussion that me and Ryan had, okay, do we do a Pride game to celebrate? And then we thought, as businessmen, we obviously thought, okay, there is a caveat here that it might turn, uh, you know, people away, people with, uh, with uh, you know, conceptions and wrong uh, wrong ideas, their, their, their own, you know, uh, beliefs or not. They, we thought, thought, oh, but the, the crowds might go down. We might not have money at the end of the 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 month but we both decided saying look it's it's a bet but if people have problem it's their problem that's that's what we made out of that and it was actually the busiest crowd because we made it as a party so so that's when kind of you start changing people's conceptions and and people's ideas you know if you show something that perhaps they have prejudice or, or any bad feeling towards you know if you just kind of educate them in a way that showing, okay, this is a normal day. You know, you have rainbows, uh, uh, flags everywhere. These two guys here are no, as, as normal as, as you, Keith and David, you know, that there is no, 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 nothing really here that sets us apart, really. You know, we are, we just happen to, to love the same sex. Uh, so, so it was quite, quite good to see that at the end of the day, people actually came to us saying saying you know what i had a, a, an idea of what being gay was and you've changed this after today and and that that was rewarding to see you know honest to god people coming to us saying you know shaking hands with us and saying well then you know i didn't know what it was but now i know but, and it's 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 normal i think what kelly said there was we set out to make it into into a party into a fun experience i didn't want it to be a whole sort of self-help uh, marching with you know making political points and all the rest of it I, I think that just turns people off and it's not something that I particularly like to be to be involved with I, I appreciate people have done it in the past because you know they were fighting against the oppression and everything our society our community now is, is a lot easier it's more accepting but up here in Keatley a lot of people have never met a gay person so rather than, rather than sort of force it in their face we just said actually come to a great big gay party and you're gonna have an absolutely fabulous time so everyone arrived everyone was dancing everyone was drinking we we're giving free rainbow shots out to everybody um and yeah everybody just said actually you guys know how to party and that's that's what we've done ever since and that's what we'll keep doing because it gives that person the opportunity to actually go wake up the next morning and say god that was a good day yesterday and and not think all those bloody puffs marching around with their banners and their placards. You know, that's yeah. that's not something we want to do. I respect the people who've done that in the past because they've got us to where we are now. But now the way to educate and inform is to do it by basically entertainment. And, and that's that's how we've done it. And, and look, it's the best party. So if anybody listening to this podcast, get yourself down to Cougar Pride in, is it June, against yeah. Whitehaven? Yeah. 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 I, I, to be honest, it's a brilliant story. Loved hearing all of that. It sounds as though you've been helping people embrace the differences and changes and rather, um, as you said, you didn't want to see to sort of push it on people, but if you just bring it to people, you can help educate, uh, help break down barriers. And it's, uh, it's been wonderful to listen to how you've, you've gone about that. And did you ever find it um, with your family connections, there was a sense of duty in taking the club and with you being a gay couple, did you feel there was a duty to bring that to people, or is it just something you've embraced as part of that experience? Um, for me, as a duty, I probably did. Um, when my when when the, the the whole Super League thing in in the nineties totally crushed my dad, totally and utterly crushed him. It was it, it was the best period of his life when he was chairman of the Cougars. He did a phenomenal job, and. To get where he got and to have put everything, you know, his heart and soul and his money and everything into it, and then to have it to be so brutally crushed in the way he was, and then 
you know, it, and then then he retired, and then the club got to, taken over by a guy who ended up in prison as a drug dealer and all the rest of it. You know, it was a horrible experience he went through, and he moved, and you know, he moved to Australia for a, for, for for a better life. I understand really personally. I think he moved because he was so hurt with what happened at the Cougars and how it ended, um, and how Super League stopped everything he'd done he moved there because he couldn't stay here anymore he needed to he needed to just be in a different head away yeah absolutely and he's never been happy since there's always been that thing missing it was it, it i mean i said to you earlier about you know when you come into a rugby club and you run it like we do you your brain shuts down your heart takes over his heart had taken over and, he, and when that was crushed his heart was basically broken and it sounds dramatic but it really it genuinely was um so when the opportunity came again, you know, my dad's 83 now. Um, and so he was, what, 79 when we took over. And I just thought this is an opportunity for my dad to get to, to get something back, to to relive that experience that that he'd had been crushed. And actually, you know, when we when we decided we were absolutely going to go for it again, which is what we've done, um I, I could I could say to Dad, Dad, this is this is um this is what you did. Yeah, you deserve it, and 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 so I think for it, it not probably not a conscious duty, but it, it was. De- it, I think you saying that is something I've never actually thought about, but I think that's probably correct. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, it feels sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, in terms of the LGBTQ plus, you know that that means a lot to us. I do think it's we have the sense of duty because even with uh, the the years that we progressed throughout uh, you know when we when we got the club in 2019 you know every year there was a message there that we wanted to pass uh, uh, when we celebrated pride most recently last year then we, when we had uh, our pride game you know we introduced uh, the Again, our our soft education making it fun, but more towards transgender rights because now they are there, you know, suffering what 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 we probably gay gay lesbians, you know, uh, the the queer community suffered in the past. That it's it's easier in a sense to us now, but now they are having that the burden, you know, that they have to fight for the rights. They 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 need that that voice and empowerment and and people now, you know, aim the the hatred, you know, towards them when when everyone should just be, you know, celebrated the same way. So so we introduced that. We we promoted a video with the players and as well as a transgender artist and a drag queen to represent everyone. And again, you know, we we incorporated the flag the, the LGBTQ plus uh, that you have there as well the 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 mark for transgender you know so so it's that step that I think the world needs to to move and give them more attention and more visibility because they need they are the ones yeah. struggling now and you know we with the platform that that we have if we can help a little bit that's what we well, I think to. I think that's the unique thing about rugby league it's, it's always been about community. You know, and when you look at the towns like Featherston and Castleford and the mining communities, and then you look at Keithley and Batley, the mill, the textile communities, and it's always been, it's a unique sport in that sense, um, which soccer isn't. Um, so it, when I say community, that's a traditional community. And now we're adding a new type of community to it. And at the, at the Cougars, we have... So many gay people now have come to the games and they would never have dreamt of watching any sport, to be honest. And Sunday at Cougar Park is a highlight of their week. And yeah, brilliant. In the brilliant. same way, in the, in the same way it was when the pits were opened for the miners in Featherstone. You know, the highlight of their week was going down to Post Office Road and and watching Featherstone play. And that's what they look forward to. They'll have a few beers afterwards. And then Monday comes around, they're back down the pits. You know, we, we're in a different era now. And yeah. the community that I'm talking about is the LGBTQ whatever community who have, who are lost up here. There's no, yeah. there's no, they don't know where they fit in. So if we as a club yeah, can yeah. say, actually, this is a community game. It always has been. Um, rugby league has got a very open heart and very welcoming arms. And you know, you, you're welcome to come here because this is what the sports heritage has always been about. And it, I just think it it works perfectly. Well said. So Keith, go ahead. Um, 
Community is something we try and talk about on all our podcasts because we totally agree. It, there seems to be a, a closer connection between the clubs and the community in rugby league that you don't always get in football and, and other sports. And it's brilliant that you're bringing this new message almost to, to rugby league. And I'm really pleased to say that rugby league is embracing it because uh, I'm proud of rugby league and its history of trying to embrace difference and, and new things. Um, when you put on the Pride Games, how much planning does that take? So when do you sit down and think, right, how how are we going to do this? Surely it's more than just the top or, or the rainbow flag. Um, there's, I guess there's lots of elements to to that. A hundred percent. And every year becomes harder because obviously we have a child to do ourselves. So so first year, you know, we tried to get an artist. That, that, there was actually a drag queen uh, in the middle of the no, pit. The, the first year, actually, we, we got Katie Price, which was probably with really? a really bad mistake because uh, uh, they didn't turn up. So we paid for her. She didn't, she didn't turn up. Really? Oh, yeah. So, so, but you know, it's one of those things. It's uh, she was sick, you know, and and couldn't make it. And then there we were, just. But to be honest, the drag queen, because it, it was a, a a joint effort, you know, Katie Price and then the drag queen. But then the drag queen ended up being, you know, the, star. the, the yeah. yeah, yeah, star because, of the show. Yes, yeah, and she performed there in the middle of the pitch, you know, at uh, halftime, I think. Uh, you know, so it was that the massive thing doing the, the first time ever being a, a game, a professional sports club holding that game, you know, uh, uh, for, for the cause. And then following year, we had then to impress and do better. So every year mm-hmm. since, uh, we have to think at the beginning of the year, just as we are now and thinking, what, what on earth are we going to, have to do this year to outdo the previous drag queen and video with players and transgender. So, so we are already in, in the, the the brain is already in the work, thinking what what's next. So it's ticking. Your brains are already ticking of new ideas of how to yeah, help yeah. everyone embrace yeah. it and build it up bigger and bigger. Sounds mm-hmm. like great fun. I can't wait to get down and watch a game, Keith. I was there last year. I went to um, Keithy last year to watch. Uh, uh, one of the warm-up games against Oldham. My son was playing at Oldham oh, okay. at the time, so we went down and watched that. And uh, I played there myself many years ago, about 30 years ago when I was much younger. I played uh, really? just reserve grade, yeah. And uh, I remember playing at, at Keithley and I remember getting beat. That's my memory of Keithley. <laughs> but I always enjoyed it there. I don't know why. And even when I went back, it's it's such a nice part of the country. So, and I, the ground's lovely. I, I really like the ground. It's a nice place to watch rugby league so I'd love to come back at some stage uh, definitely yeah, get it definitely. Yeah. I was watching the video as well by the way um, earlier today uh, that you put out that's really good yeah. With the players. Yeah, with the players, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was it was fun. Involved a bit of alcohol, you know, because <laughs> I, 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 I caught them kind of off guard, but I said, I said, I need you to dance. I said, you just have to dance. Just, you know, let's put some music and just dance for me. But they had literally just finished a match. You know, they were like, oh, you know, okay. But it, it was a bit stiff to begin with. But then I, I noticed, I was like, okay, what we're missing here is alcohol. So so I got them some some cougar shots. If you come to the ground, you you probably have heard of, you know, the that that's the fun part of it that we give up shots to everyone get to get people you know uh, in the mood in the mood yeah. you know and then there you go you have some some real dancers there <laughs> amazing Sounds like fun uh, we'll have to get um my wife to drive us then keith when we yeah. come so yeah. we can have a drink i always say don't come driving because you're gonna miss the fun yeah, it's a bit oh, far oh, to walk. the travel lodge if it's still what? if it's not gone out of business now. You guys aren't okay. renting it. It might have gone out of business, but if it's still going, we can stay at the travel lodge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. And like, you know, I was thinking about something that you said earlier there, and you was worried about people getting behind you when you all you want to do is save a club, embrace a sport, give it all your heart, and champion your community for the betterment of Keith Lee and for the betterment of the sport. So that's absolutely fantastic. And like you say, I can't wait to get up there with Dave and we're going to, we'll come up and we'll, we'll party with you and right. we'll, get, we'll get right behind it. Yeah. Right. yeah. It, it really shines through your message and what you're trying to bring really shines through just from this chat. So uh, yeah, I know I said it before, but I'll say it again. Well done. It's brilliant. The work that you're doing yeah. is fantastic. It's great to hear. Um, what about the playing side then? So when when you took over 
uh, you only had 12 players. You had to build a team and then hopefully build a team that could get you out of the league. So how did you go about managing that? Um, well, to begin with, obviously, it was very difficult. I, I, we, I'd been out of this. I'd not really paid much attention to the sport for the last 20 years before I came in. Cowie had no clue whatsoever. Even the ball was was uh, <laughs> not round. Yeah. Um, balls. So, yeah. so it was... I mean, we, we got 12 points deducted to begin with because we started with a fresh company because the, the previous company obviously was had a legacy legacy problem. So we, we started afresh and we took that 12 points on the chin. So also we're, we're not going to do anything that season. So we we added to the squad at that time, but it was a slow start. And we, the, the guys, look, the guys who, who, who were there, the 12, were incredible. They'd be training in a local park and they, they had no their training kit and it, they'd yep. stuck by the club even though the club was basically not not working so when we came in i think and took over and it, everybody was so buoyant the fans were so buoyant everyone was so excited like thank god it's being saved and um i think that really gave an adrenaline rush to the players who, who were st- stuck by the club the likes of jack miller who who ended up being our captain when we when we won the championship you know and i think it really boosted them so we actually did pretty well to begin with um and then after that sort of adrenaline rush we started to lose some games and it, it we started to get a bit disappointed, but unjustifiably disappointed because we were where we were. We we inherited, you know, a very skeletal skeleton team. Um and with minus twelve points, you, you, you couldn't you couldn't get anywhere really, you know. Even back yeah. in Iroquois, if you had won all the games, we wouldn't have made it. So that that wasn't the year for us, you know. It was it was a, a learning curve, perhaps in the the best sense. But we were building towards, you know, the following year. But then twenty twenty came, and there you are. I think I think the bit the pivotal moment for us, really, in terms of the team, was when we signed Jake Webster. That was when I think we we realized that we we, we showed we, our intentions. We, 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 but as as we've talked before, the heart had taken over by then. So it was like, you know, budgets were to- became slightly irrelevant. It was like, oh yeah, let's just win this bloody thing. So I think signing Jake was a big moment for us. Um, he, he brought a, a real class to the club and a real confidence. And and then obviously he his his he took he, did, he was a roll of the dice for him. He was coming to a club that was had done nothing. He he just bought into the, the vision that we, we shared with him. Um, he came from Bradford after having an amazing career. Um, and obviously that then started people, other players looking at us thinking, oh, what, what are these guys up to? Jake's gone there. That's quite good. And obviously Jake's very well connected. Um, and that's when it started. And then we got the likes of Brendan Santi in from Newcastle, who's an exceptional player. And then, you know, things started to pick up. We got a lot, a lot more interest. Reese Lovegrove was by then the head coach. He was a, you know, he was a, a rookie. He was, he'd never coached before. But, you know, he, he he has an amazing vision, and is you know you just have to talk. To, I don't know if you guys have. have spoken I've, wa- to him. I've watched a couple of interviews with Reese, and he's he's very yeah. passionate, and he, yeah. he takes yeah. it personally, doesn't he? He's, he's you know he, he, he's a rugby genius for me. I mean, he really is. He's he's. Uh, I mean, I've, I've spoken to lots of coaches, um, but you know, in the nineties when my dad was there, I've spoken to coaches since, and I've never met one quite like Reese. He's so he breathes he's, rugby. He's like um, he's a professor for me he's a professor of rugby and uh, of the kind I've never seen so you know we have we had the confidence in him a lot of people were like oh god you know who's this bloke there's no coaching background so we did not a lot of flat but we heard the, the chirps in our ears of people questioning whether that he was the right person to do the job at the time um but we we believed in him and then we basically said to him Reese recruit your team um and we didn't give him a budget because I said I don't. I don't personally believe in budgets. I think if you give someone a budget, they're going to spend it, and they can, and they'll just fill it with stuff they don't need. So I said, Reese, you don't have a budget. You come to me with, or us rather, with every player you want, and we decide each time. Um, and but the, but the, our intention is to support everyone you want. You know, we're not going to be one saying, oh, we don't like yeah. that. We don't like. But obviously, we've got to work out how much we can afford to pay them. So that season was very much about, you know, Reese. You've got an open checkbook within reason. Um, just build as a good team, and that, and that's what happened. Then, as Co- as Kevin just said, COVID then came and sort of crashed the damn, damn, damn COVID. But, but for everyone, but then funny enough, so we kind of you, you don't even consider 2020 season really. So we had 2019 where we couldn't get anywhere because of those minus 12 points that we 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 had. So 2020 
one was our first season, really. And that's like Rand said, you know, we had the players that we brought in talent, Jake Webster, Scott Morrell, you know, people followed and uh and then and then and then we, we we nearly got there so we lost in the semi-final against Doncaster at home you know in a very bad way it was two points i think it was 26 uh, Doncaster 24 Cougars it was lost still three minutes we lost yeah. so it was, it was yeah. one of those one of those heartbreaking games but one of those as a, as a spectator phenomenal games yeah. uh, but when when obviously when you're so invested in it it was literally it was it wasn't meant it, to it be. Was yes. uh, yeah. It so then, twenty twenty two, just last season. Then you guys know how, how that ended. You know, we brought it more talent. You know, Jism came, and then and then it just added to that pool of talent that we had there. And then the guys just killed it. You know, every single game we didn't expect. You know, to go unbeaten for for a whole campaign. Even even history says only three uh, only two other teams so us being the third team to have achieved that uh so i think this speaks a lot of the intention that we put and, and the work that then reese and all the players there went for and they achieved that and, and yeah it was a brilliant season and uh well well done on winning that and since then you've had to build a team capable of competing in the championship the next league up and it's yeah. quite a big jump. There's a few good teams in League One and some tough games, but the quality, there's a lot more quality in the championship. So how difficult was that for yourselves and the coaching staffs and all the scouts to bring in uh, or improve on the squad? I think we planned very, very carefully and, and way before before the time came, really, because because as, as we went in to 2022 season with uh, all invested, you know, we had brought all these talented players. You know, I think we started recruiting really with the early assumption that, okay, 2023, we are going to be in championship. So we need to, uh, you know, to step up the game, just like you said uh, yourself, you know, it is a massive difference when you go from league one to championship, you know, uh, that, like you said as well, there's massive talent in, in, in League One with uh, with uh, some teams, you know, but still it's a massive thing that we had to then, to then, you know, entertain that idea saying, okay, we just don't want to go to championship and then bounce back again. So we have to not only stay there, but fight. And, and the intention was, you know, top six, that's our target of Obviously, we, we wouldn't make to Super League in the first year, you know, but, but the intention was there. So we started recruiting really early in the season. And then when when the season finished, we had already brought in, you know, signed up six, seven players. So so then then it just happened. It was a natural process saying, okay, we need now championship level players. And and it has been really good, actually. It's been, it's been a huge learning curve. I mean, I've always heard that this step up is massive and i was never totally convinced by it and oh my god 100 um you know it, it, it's been a baptism of fire we brought in some great players um reese has done a great job but just i think just getting that mindset out of league one into the championship is something that we didn't really understand until we got into it when it started and it was it, it was a really un, it was an unusual close season in in that the culture changed somehow. It just—it's not just the on the field that it's a much more brutal game. It's much faster and all the rest of it. It's the whole culture of championship is very different to League One. League One is much more sort of um, laid back, jovial. Um, yeah, yeah, laid back yeah. is a good way to say it. Um, you know, the games of games are good fun, and you're going to win, you're going to lose. But in championship, it's just everything is intense. Just everything is intense. And um, at first, I, I, I've got to admit, it did slightly intimidate me i i did i didn't expect it to be like that and but now i've i've got into it i'm starting to uh, you know embrace it and understand that it's it's so much more exciting i mean you just don't know game to game you, you know last season oh yeah we're going to play west wells we're going to win we're going to play cornwall we're going to win this season you can't guarantee you can't guarantee anything yeah i mean you, you don't know first of all you're going to win are you going to lose, or are you going to get annihilated? It could be all of the above. It could. It just depends on the on the day. I think that's what's so exciting about championship, and that's why it's such a great um, product for, product for the for the fans to watch because it's so unpredictable and it, it's fantastic. And it's 
it's also for us getting used to losing again because we went through a whole season of winning that you never have that you know as we say we call it the not not the alcoholic hangover it's the post sunday hangover when you wake up on that monday morning and you've lost and you just feel like someone's just popped your bubble and you just feel deflated and lethargic and you don't want to get up and you don't want to turn your computer on you don't want to go to work and um the dark night of the soul yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's that's something new in championship that in league one last season with an experience job us we won every game and even the season before you know it was we were winning a lot of games so it was fine but um but championship it's a it's a whole nother level yeah, yeah. I suppose uh, you say it's tough on the field because you've got more ability, but everything surrounding that, the clubs are, are generally larger clubs which uh, have their own aspirations to do really well. So it, it's, I can imagine it is a little bit more intimidating. It's certainly, I've been in and around some of those clubs and, and just being around them, it feels more serious, mm. much more determined and more serious. So, yeah, I can really see that. And uh, do you think then you'd go through a period of adjusting to that until you kind of find your feet and it feels more normal? Or do you think you learn already? Are we, are we back to the Storm in Norman question, Dave? Well, we might be, yeah. We might be. I'm going to have to post a link to that. The, the Featherstone game, it was the whole blessing, the, the storm and, you know... It, it, Hurricane, typhoon, yeah, yeah. all of so, the above, so, yeah. so have that first game there against the, the, the favourites of this season, you know, it was really a brutal awakening for us that, that we went in and... To be honest, you know, all betting houses, you know, put us their uh, favorite, uh, not not obviously the, the, the first one to Fourth win. Four for fifth, you know. So we came quite confident, you know, and then it just happened. We lost a 50 to zero, you know. But it wasn't just on the field, though. It was everything on that day. Everything was different. So the, the, the we, crowd, the, the turnstiles, we always have three turnstiles open. Totally adequate. No problem whatsoever. So that day queues down the road you know you got to have seven turnstiles open we didn't realize it was a you know a massive learning curve um the bar outside we didn't have enough beer massive learning curve um, (laughs) security were were they competent were they up to the job with this big traveling fan base coming from featherstone no they weren't and so it was it was just stuff we'd never thought about that suddenly it's all hitting from every angle. And then obviously on the field, we lose 50 nil. So it was just horrendous. I mean, it's, pretty, it's pretty much like driving from an A road and pulling straight out onto a motorway, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. it was, uh, when I say learning curve, it was vertical that yeah. day. Yeah. And, um, and, and then we, you know, after that, we learned and, and off the field, we, we got things better. And every game we get giving things better off the field. Um, and on the field, it's getting better as well. So, I, you know, I, I didn't expect, that sort of step up to the level it has been. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're learning. It's it's good to learn. So, yeah. We, and you adapt, uh, adapt yeah. your business model and your approach to suit what, what you learn as you go through it. So, yeah, we've we put it out. Um, we asked some people on social media for, for some questions for you. So, I, I hope uh, you're open to some questions. Yeah. Um, the, one of the first ones about, um, you've spoke a little bit about the community links, but, what, do you have any links at all with any schools or youth programs? But what's the connection between the local clubs? Do you, have you done much work with that? So we set up a foundation in um, 2019. It took a while to to get established because it needed charitable status and all the rest of it. And that is going to the schools. So we've we've basically got two players now who who are committed full time to going into into schools and working with the local community. We work with the council on um, doing. Um, you know, school meals, all that kind of thing. So that's, for us, it's a massive, uh, as for every club who does this kind of stuff, it's, it's the big opportunity to get people engaged. You know, back in the 1990s, um, my dad's era, it was, it was all about getting the kids involved. It was, I think Keith were the first club to give free tickets to all the kids. And they took a thousand kids down to Wembley to watch the Challenge Cup final. There were 27 coaches with, you know, it was phenomenal. And it, we haven't got that back there yet. We want to get back there. I mean, that, is our, where we're aiming to. We want to not thousand. We want to take ten thousand kids to Wembley. It'd be fantastic. Um, but you need your sponsors behind you to do that. But in terms of actually engaging with the with the local schools, yeah, we we're very engaged with them. They're all, you know, there's no other professional sport in Keithley. So we're, we've got a great USP to go into the schools and say, look, let our, let our players come in and do some PE sessions or do some motivational talks and that kind of thing. Um, 
and then we we also you know work with our local community uh, right. ab- yeah, amateur, amateur teams which is Sills and Stormland uh, Keithley yeah. Albion West Craven so Keithley Albion do curtain raises our games L- last season we we had Keithley Albion game days where we gave 800 tickets to the to their members to say come down you know with all the kids and all the rest of it so we want to do a, a lot more of that um but in terms of probably the unique thing that we've experienced in the last couple of weeks was we had um a, a mum reach out to us, just Carrie and I personally, she sent us an email, our email addresses are on, our, on the Google website, to say, um, my son is, is gay, he's 14 years old, he's at the local grammar school, um, and he'd like, him and the headmaster would like you and Carrie to come in and um, and talk to him because he wants to set up a, a group for the LGBTQ plus in that school, and he's been inspired by what you've done at the Cougars, and he comes to the Cougars. Wow. And, um, and so we were quite humble to be honest he was and so we went we went to the school and we met met his mum and met met Brody the guy and met the headmaster and we, we all sat around together talking about what we could do to help him and how you know the cougars are open and br- bring his friends and bring if he does get this group together at school which I mean I can't imagine how how hard that must be and difficult for him and how brave yeah. he to do that was I mean thinking about when I was at school I wouldn't even comprehended it so um what an absolutely incredible kid and we said look you know, our facilities are open to you and your friends in your group. Whenever you want them, you can have movie nights, you can come to games for free, you know, bring your parents for free. You know, we, we want to do everything we can to help you. And, you know, we said, design yourself a logo for your school LGBTQ plus group. And we're going to put that on our pride kit um, for free. Nice. Just so you can go to, around the school and say, actually, look, this, this, this local club a professional sports club who's doing good things on the pitch and you know well it, it, it hopefully we we're calling these schools um the club is is something that people uh, respect and aspire to to come to and all the rest of it 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 rubs off on him and his and his group and um we left that meeting and uh, it's emotional. Really, it was it's very emotional. very emotional yeah. I was like, well, first of all, what an incredible kid to, 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 to have the bravery to do that and also the sense of purpose to want to you know Put up with, put up with. The, I mean, he's going to get. We all know he's going to get bullied. We all know he's going to get name called, even in the society now, which is you know way beyond when I was at school. But he's, he's still going to get that. And his mum told us he, he gets that, but he doesn't yeah. care. He's, he he wants he wants to help people, and he wants to you know help himself by having strength to do that. So for us as a club to to have inspired him, that that for me was incredible. And yeah. and. You know that goes beyond the traditional going to schools and doing PE lessons. This was something much more emotional, something much more um, incredible, really. Yeah, very, very inspiring, really. And uh, to have uh, to help him to have that courage to do that, it must be a nice feeling, really, to be able to support him. With I that. think, probably, I think, probably for us, it was the proudest moment we've yeah. had since taking over we, the club. We got yeah. into the car. And I felt very emotional. You know, I came out when I was 16. I got kicked out from 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 my house. You know, my mom, my mom didn't accept. Uh, I I didn't have a father really present, so, so I had a stepfather. And and the fear of her of me coming out in the presence of this stepfather that we we were living in his house. So she said, "No, I couldn't be gay." And I said, but that's who I am. And she said, no, so you don't live with me. You you pick pick your things and, and go. And I called my grandma that day. And, um, you know, I said, I said, can I live with you? And she accepted me. You, you would actually think that coming from, from an elderly person, per se, with, you know, concepts that, that, that wouldn't be as modern as my mom at the time. I was 16. My mom was 36. You know, <clears throat> But but that support there for me that I had because otherwise I saw myself and said where do I go you know I mm-hmm. for for it's me scary. to see to see a guy that we even said to the mother said oh my god you know I wish I had a mom like what you had so it was very emotional and, and we just you know again sounding a bit cliche but you just felt felt oh my god if we did one thing right you know in 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 doing this kid giving the bravery to this kid amazing you know yeah. my, my life here good accomplishment is, is ticked yeah. yeah it's very touching must have uh, been a very touching moment and uh, as you say it's uh, it's just nice to be nice sometimes so if yeah. you can help someone whatever walk of life it is it's just a nice feeling I think um 
Yeah, hopefully that helps inspires others as well who may have similar thoughts and feelings and want to make a difference. Um, I know Keith's got some questions, but I've got one more which came through. It did make me chuckle a little. <laughs> Do you have a VHS recording of the 1995 game against Huddersfield where you won 30-0? Now, I did say whatever questions <laughs> come up, I will ask, so I thought I'd best ask it. So I don't know if you've got a VHS tucked away from a, a Huddersfield game in 1995. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> Absolutely yes. So we, 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 we've got, um, we have got a VHS uh, player. I bought one yeah. on eBay about five years ago, and he's been stuck in my drawer ever since. But, um, but yeah, we my mum has a basically walls of Cougar videos from the nineties, and um, I, I do remember that Huddersfield game. It was a crack. Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, he said it was a a classic, and it brought an end to, to the massive run of wins they had, and it was a a, a famous exciting victory and, and other people came along and said well I've got this other game no no I don't want this other game I, I just want this one so I'll I'll get back in touch and tell them to what email the club or something and try yeah, and get a... email go to the website my email address is on there so just drop me an email and I'll happily okay. copy I, I can copy it in, on the old fashioned um, <laughs> I, 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 did, I did have a copy but my mum tipped over it with Coronation Street <laughs> oh, well that might have happened actually so um, oh, yeah it's quite like it might be a Coronation <laughs> Street at the start where, of it but part that, of the game's on that, that, did, that did actually happen on one of like the Challenge Cup finals and I'm watching it and it, you know I'm right into the game and then all of a sudden it goes and then Coronation Street comes on and I'm like ah, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were on Keith's an actor you might have seen him on TV but we were on telly when we were young remember Keith when we was on we, holiday in Spain there was a programme called Wish You Were Here oh yeah with Judith Chalmers and um, Chris uh, Chris yeah. something or other anyway but yeah Judith Chalmers and we, we were in the, our hotel that we were in didn't have a heated pool so we used to always sneak into the hotel next door so we and Dave are diving in the pool. Next thing, this camera crew come out. So we're diving in. Just kept, we just kept doing it until we got... We were only, like, what, 15, Dave, weren't we? Yeah, oh, probably not even that. Yeah, no, 13. Our parents were friends, so we holidayed together when we were younger. And they, they took the cameras down to the beach afterwards. So we, we were running after them. Then they were diving in <laughs> we, the we, sea then, yeah. trying to get back on the so camera. They had, they, they had to go down this path. So me and Dave kind of cut across, ran into the sea. So as they set up to do this lovely horizon shot, me and Dave just come out the water like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah. That's our claim to fame, you see. Wish you were yeah, here. Yeah. You just need so, a little if, few if, seconds if, in front of a camera, and, and I'm sure you're, you're immortalized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, if anybody's think... got a tape of that, from it'll be Wish You Were Here, circa 1984 85. Yeah. 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 Showing that age, okay. Now, yeah. <laughs> and uh, do some bragging, Keith. What else have you been in? You've been, oh, you've been filming this week, haven't you? Well, I have, but I'll have to edit this out because it's not heard yet. Um, oh, right, so I've sorry. just filmed Doctors for BBC. Oh, okay. a nice little role on that. I've just done the. I'm on the uh, Granada ident for the weather for United Utilities at the moment, so that's on every day. I've just done a TV commercial for Cross Country Trains. Wow! I was in the advert that was all over the World Cup for Selco Builders. I'm the manager for Selco Builders in that one. And then next week, I film All Creatures Great and Small over in Harrogate in Yorkshire. Someone, wow, I was going to say this, then I'm amongst the actors here, royalty even. You know, someone here when he was a child? I've been there before you. I was um, in All Creatures Great and Small in 1989. Wow. I've got an IMDb profile. Profile. Believe it or not. Really? He made it, didn't he? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, did, I, I was probably the worst actor you've ever seen. Like, no, he was a cute kid. I was super wooden, and God knows how I got the part, but I did. But and now you're you're there in old creatures, great and small. So keep the flag wow. flying, Keith. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, <laughs> keep us rugby league northerners in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, so yeah. So anyway, back to questions. Enough about that. Anyway, I've got one. So you mentioned that the is the Cougar Pride coming up how do people get find out about that is the information on the website is it out there can we put a link uh, in, in our youtube for it so people can can find it and find more about it and get on it we will we we have a red set the date so it'll be the game in june to celebrate 
Pride Month, obviously, you know, against Whitehaven. Uh, we, like I said earlier, you know, the plans are already in the work. We, we are trying to figure out what magic trick basically we have to pull out of the magician's hat to, to make innovative again and pass the message. Uh, but but I think we are announcing quite soon that that's the set date because people actually already then look forward to that date because they know it's fun, it's a party, you know, and 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 so so yeah, you, we could announce uh, saying that uh, that uh, this is this set in stone now and you know gonna be a Cougar Pride. Great, great big, great big party, lots of performers, um, lots of entertainment, group of celebrities coming down. So um, it will be a great day. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So watch this space for yeah. Cougar Pride. Details are to come, but it will be around June, around Pride Month, and it's going to be the, one of the best Bam. celebrations that you've had. Crazy fun. Against Whitehaven. Yeah. Against Whitehaven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Ryan and Cowie, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for telling us all about your journey into Rugby League and your experiences and taking over at Keithley. It's, it's been it's been a fantastic, it's been enlightening, it's been heartwarming um, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So on behalf of myself and Dave, thanks very much. If you've liked what you've seen today, please don't forget to hit that like and hit that subscribe button. We much appreciate all your likes and like I say, the more subscribers we get, the better it is. So Thank that's you. it from us. See you soon. Thank you, guys. Don't forget, after tonight's show, leave your views in our comments section. We'd love to hear from you. The Duckhouse Rugby Show is proud to support the Teardrops Homeless Charity. Teardrops, supporting your community. If you would like to support the Teardrops Charity, you can text your donation by texting the word Teardrops5 to 70031 to donate £5. Teardrops10 to 70039 to donate £10. And Teardrops20 to 70039 to donate £20. Teardrops, supporting your community. <laughs>